I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Battle Fever podcast. My name's Scott Gray, and today we crack on with our Yesterday's Heroes series. We're joined by Gavin Ray, who made 28 appearances for the club over a three-year spell. Gavin, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good, thanks. Thanks for having us on. Good. No problem, Gavin. A pleasure. Now, before we get to your time at Rangers, obviously you spent eight years at Dundee, making 223 appearances. How did you enjoy your, your spell, your first spell at Dundee? Good. It was good. I mean, I left school. Um, bit of a late developer in terms of football. Didn't really get picked up. Didn't sign S forms. You know, a lot of my friends had signed with clubs. Uh, you know, Rangers, Celtic, Chelsea, Man United, loads of different clubs. But I never really got picked up. Um, and it wasn't until late on, and then finally got got an opportunity to go straight to straight to YTS basically uh, without signing S form, and then. Done two years YTS, which is good grounding, and then obviously played a lot of times in the in the league uh, for, for for the first team. Good. That year in 2003-2004, before you made your move to Rangers, obviously Dundee had, had entered administration. How how difficult was that for yourself and the players at the time? That was terrible. Yeah, I I came off um, playing for Scotland, and we'd just been pumped by Holland in the Euro qualifier, and then. Get told that night that the club was in administration. I mean, there've been rumours, um, but once we arrived back to Dundee, like the next day, like basically just read uh, Jim Duffy read a list of players that were gone, like contracts finished, and there was like twenty players on there. There was backroom staff, there was people within the stadium, um, you know, friends that I'd had for years and been in the YTS with me, um, just contracts ripped up and, and never to see, you know, hardly any of that money again in their contract that they were due and. Yeah, it was really tough, tough, horrible times, horrible. When were, when were you made aware of the interest that, that Rangers were, were looking to take you? I had, 
you know, um, my agent had been telling me there'd been interest from Alec McLeish before. I think it sort of accelerated after the administration because obviously I was kept on as an asset at Dundee. Um, you know, not a huge asset, but somebody that they might have been able to get some money for. And um, obviously I was playing for Scotland. So um, after we sort of went into the administration, it sort of got a bit, a bit more sort of concrete. I'd actually had interest before from Dick Advocat um, when he was there. Yeah. And I was very close to, um, well, not very close, but I was, there was certainly, he was talking to my agent. And then something happened. I think we got put out of the Champions League. And I think if we'd managed to get through to that Champions League, there was going to be more budget and they'd have been able to sign us, which would have been amazing at that time. Um, but it never came to fruition. And then luckily got the chance to, to sort of go once, um, once Alex took us in that January after the administration. You made your debut in an old film game at Parkhead. January yeah. the 3rd, 2004. How did it feel for you, obviously, A, being a new player at the club and a, and a big club at Rangers, and B, having to make your debut in that kind of arena? I was, it was interesting. It was tough. I was looking forward to it. You know, I had, um, had a couple of days with the squad, so, you know, I hadn't had long with the squad. I knew some of the boys previously from, you know, around the charts, playing against them, obviously, and playing with Scotland and stuff, and um, sort of knew them from that, but it was a brand new environment. But I was looking forward to it. At that time, you know, in my career, I was, I was confident, you know, I was ready, ready for that next step. I was really looking forward to the game. You know, I'd had a niggling hamstring injury for the last few weeks at Dundee, but, you know, through my medical, I got loads of MRI tests, loads of fitness tests, trained with the team twice, so everyone was fine. So, Aunt McLeish was really keen to get us in. Um, and I was obviously keen, really keen to start and get going, but... Yeah, obviously it didn't didn't go to plan and come off injured and sort of set the tone from a from a spell at Rangers, which was very very disappointing. What's the build up like to a game like that for for yourself coming into that? You know what? For me, it was a whirlwind because obviously I just signed into a brand new team, brand new training ground. You know, we were staying in a hotel with my, my wife, and we just had a puppy at that time. We didn't have the kids at that time, just a little dog, and it was crazy. It was just like a total whirlwind. Um, so you're getting used to a new environment of a new team. Um, and also myself, you know, getting, making sure I was ready to go and, and fully focused and fit for the game. And it was, as I say, I was really looking forward to it. I was really confident in myself at that time and um, really buzzing to get the game and, and get it underway. And it felt good the first, first 20 minutes. And then, yeah, the hamstring went after about 25 minutes. So I ended up having to come off, which was really, really disappointing as a, you know, a starting debutant um, in such a big game. You obviously spent the next seven, eight weeks, I think it was, out of action uh, for your, your injury, obviously. Just how tricky is that for a new player at any club, never mind going into a club the size of Rangers, obviously, where you want to make that instant mm. impression? Yeah, it's difficult. You know, you want to go and hit the ground running. You know, you see some players come into a club and they just they just fit in and seamlessly and you, you want to be that player that just comes in and like as if you've been there for years. I was confident I could do that. You know, I certainly never got the chance to do that. Um, I had seven weeks rehab from a hamstring, which we gave it like an extra couple of weeks just to make sure I was fine. Um, and yeah, so we made sure the hamstring was totally fine. And then I managed to get a run of games. But yeah, it's never, it's never, a, it's never an ideal way to start with a, with a club and especially a club like Rangers where you need to sort of hit the ground running for such a big club, you know. Um, and I wanted to prove myself as well, so it was a disappointing start, of course. Ironically, you made your Ibrox debut against your old club Dundee mm. when, you, when, you, when you returned from injury, and you managed to score in that game. What was your memories of that day, and how did it feel lining up against people who obviously had been teammates and were obviously going through a tough time as well? Yeah, it was, it was very surreal, you know, obviously being with the club for so long, um, and then to have them in our first home game, it was... Yeah, it was it was very strange, but um, I was just buzzing to be back fit and back playing and to get a, a game at Ibrox, you know, starting Ibrox from a new club, I was buzzing. And then to get the game, uh, to get the goal, you know, I can remember the goal uh, very well, got a good connection on it and managed to get it in. And, you know, sometimes you see players not celebrating against their old clubs. And to be honest, that was never in my mind. I was just buzzing to be with a new club and getting a goal and yeah. ready to celebrate. You know, I was buzzing in the relief. Wasn't it start hitting the ground running? And this was, I felt that was me ready to go and getting the goal was, was great um, to feel part of the new club. So I was, I celebrated like mad. And I remember, and I'm not sure I agree with the people that don't celebrate. I think you should be celebrating for the club you're at, uh, no matter what. 
That was actually my next question. Was there any hesitation in the celebration at all? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even think about it. You know, it was, it was just like, nah. But I just scored for a, I've got a move. I've, you know, long for for a long time, and I've got my goal for the new club and playing at Ibrox. Why wouldn't you celebrate? I was delighted. Yeah, I remember the goal myself. I was in the Brimlone that day. It was a, it was a cracking strike. Yeah. Uh, you were then a regular on the side, although the team was struggling. Hmm. Did you feel the pressure, and how did you handle kind of step up from Dundee? Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't didn't feel the pressure too much, you know, because I was pr- being a new player, you know. You sort of give, you sort of get given a, a little bit of leeway, and you know, certainly didn't feel the pressure straight away myself. But yeah, I mean, I knew it was a big club. I'll be honest, I didn't realise how big a club it was. You know, obviously, even growing up in Scotland, and yeah. you know, um, being very uh, well aware of having a big club like Rangers in the country. I mean, I certainly didn't realise just how big a club it was. Um, the global reach and the global fan base, and you know how. I knew it was important to people, like, don't get me wrong, but just, uh, just the global, like the size of the club is just huge. The media it's, interest as well, Gavin, must be going to take a yeah. back for you. Oh, definitely. I mean, you get snippets of it at Dundee, but uh, there's no, I mean, Celtic and Rangers, it's just next level. It really is. And the coverage that the two clubs get, it's, it's, uh, it's something you need to get used to really quickly. And um, it can take a little bit to get used to that. That goldfish bowl as well of Glasgow where basically two defeats for a crisis or two draws away for a crisis really at Rangers. Yeah. How, how does a player react to that? When, when I mean, there is some games where Rangers maybe they play well and probably don't get the result that's required through whatever. It could be a decision. It could just be luck on the day, whatever. How does a player react to that when it's just blown out of proportion majorly by the media? The, obviously, us as fans. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's, that, that shows, I think it shows you the size of the club. Like, You've got to win every game. You know, you've got to actually win every game. And if you don't, then there's there's a there's real pressure. Um, that takes a bit to get used to. And you know, living in Glasgow, I, mean, I, I loved living in Glasgow there for a while, and we really enjoyed our time actually living in the city. But yeah, certainly you're you're certainly in the in the scrutiny of, of people you, wherever you go, and it takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, you have on a smaller scale in Dundee, nowhere near obviously what it was and what it was in Glasgow, but um, it does take a bit of getting used to it, but you've got to, it's as simple as that, you just need to get used to it, it's, it's something that, that comes as part of the deal, so you just have to get used to it. After the rerun in the team, you unfortunately suffered a knee injury in a 3-3 draw at Tannadice, yeah. what's your memories of that? Obviously I take it great frustration in the fact that you've, you've been doing injured again really in, in, in your first kind of few months at the club. Yeah, it was very strange. Just an innocuous challenge up at um, Tannadice. Went to sort of plant my leg and um, there was like a, a divot. I felt there was a divot underneath, but there wasn't. So it was like it planted awkwardly and I just felt my knee like a jar and I just, it was agony for about a minute. But then it was fine and it was just like, I'd never had any major injuries before coming to Rangers. So I had yeah. no idea what it was. Um, so big Tom, more big Stevie Thompson, I was like, how is that? And I was like, no, nah, it, feels, it feels all right. Like after about a minute, try to get up and try to like, feel it but the physio came on Davy Henderson just came on and just like tested he says not half and he was right because the next day my, my knee was massive it was like swell up overnight and I came away on crutches from the game so it was yeah, hugely disappointing um, as I say never having a major injury I had no idea what to sort of expect um, and the severity of the injury as well so yeah obviously really disappointed I felt like I was just getting into the swing of things got a couple of goals was playing every week and um, really enjoying it. Even though we weren't getting the results that obviously the club would like, for me personally, just to be playing every week for a club of that size and just sort of bedding my way into the team was, was good yeah. for me and ready to kick on. But yeah, it's, it's football and forwards and you just uh, one thing can sort of throw that away. Did you get a good reception for the Dundee United fans? <laughs> yeah, coming <laughs> off uh, <laughs> on the stretcher, yeah, getting absolute dogs abuse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I was... Especially they are just thinking, oh, why did I have to be here? Because <laughs> uh, it's a rivalry. So, um, yeah, no, I was getting absolute dogs and beasts that day, which, was, which made it doubly worse. At Celtic Park, you've been doing and Tanadice, you've been doing the two rivals of the two clubs that you played for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, uh, yeah not, not great. Uh, so, so strange, you know, as um, it happens like that. But that's, that's football, you know, you just have to go on with it. How did you keep yourself motivated during that long spell out? Who helped you get through it? Yeah, really tough. I mean, 
everyone sort of helps. You know, you've got your family, you've got the team, you've got the, the medical staff, you know, the, the coaching staff. Everyone was good. Um, sort of luckily with it, because of where the Rangers training ground, the way it's set up, you're always, like the boys are always in the gym. The gym's like the, the main congregating area apart from the, the canteen. So all the boys are in there doing their fitness before and, you know, afterwards doing their extra. Um, and the physio rooms are just off of that. So I was always in and around the team. Um, the co- as I said, the, the medical staff were great. You know, I'm, I was always a dedicated pro that they gave me the program to do and I just got on with it. And don't get me wrong, there was times it was really tough and, and having to deal with it was horrible. And the biggest thing for me was missing out on training and, and playing with some, you know, great players on a brilliant training ground um, where I'd worked so hard over the years to get this move. And I just wasn't able to enjoy it. And that's, that's probably the biggest thing looking back. It's just I'd never really got to enjoy my time there because of a couple of really bad injuries, um, which I'd never had before and never really knew what to expect. So, yeah, it was tough. But you just, you just got to you know, become really resilient to doing your, doing your work and, and getting on with it and working your way back. And that was always the goal, just to get back. You suffered some setbacks during your time trying to get back. Now... Yeah. I can only imagine as a supporter, certainly a supporter at a club like Rangers when, when, when one of your players gets injured, especially a new player, and you're trying to see, obviously, yeah. what can they add to your team? It's frustrating for a supporter seeing that, but but when you hear, I mean, for instance, recently with a Jordan Rosser, where he's always been 7 to 10 days away from return of the action, seems to have been like that for about three years since he joined the club. How mm. hard is it to constantly be getting set back when you're trying to, you know, get back into action? Yeah, I mean it's it's terrible. It's, I mean people don't don't. I mean football. Sorry, injuries are definitely the worst part of football for me. You know, um, not being able to play the game you love due to an injury is it's tough, and especially people that go that are out long term. I mean, I missed two calendar years basically, two years of being out injured um, with the two injuries I had um, when I was rehabbing from a cruciate. I got a pretty really bad injury on my quadricep tendon on my right knee, and it was I had no idea. Nobody knew why. Whether it was the mechanics of getting back to fitness. But yeah, you're right. I mean, fans, the fans, the fans for the whole, on the whole, are normally pretty good with the injured boys and try to, you know, they're asking them, you know, how are you? You know, when are you getting back? He's sort of, as hard as it is, you sort of get sick of that question though because yeah. you're like, yeah, you know, you're trying to get back, you're doing everything. All the boys that are injured long-term, the biggest thing they want to do is get back fit, you know, yeah. and um, you appreciate the fans sort of, you know, asking in the looking after, looking out for you, and, and keen for you to get back into the team and try and help. But it's tough. It really is tough. It's you know, you you miss doing the thing you love, and it's um, it's frustrating because you feel you don't feel part of it. You feel like you're letting the club down. You feel like you're letting the supporters down. Through no fault of your own. It's just these things that happen, and it becomes frustrating for everyone. You know, I can understand the fans that would have been frustrated with me. I was out for two years, solid. You know, brand new player at the club hoping to come and try and make my mark on the club and the team. And, you know, within that time, they must have signed about five or six other centre midfielders. So at a club like Rangers, it's always going to be tough, you know, to, to suffer injuries and come back for it. So, yeah, it was it was difficult, don't get me wrong, really tough. Obviously, within that spell when you were out, you touched on it in near enough two years, the club won the title on the last day mm. of Helicopter Sunday. Mm. That must have been... Horrendous for yourself. No, not horrendous. Obviously, joyous that the club's won the title, but the fact that you, you'd been out, you've not really had a chance to, to take part in that and, and contribute to that. How does that feel for an injured player? Yes, that's doubly frustrating. You know, you're part of the squad in terms of, you know, you're with the boys every day. When there's a bad result or it's not a good result, result is what they like. You know, you can help them and build them up. So you feel part of it that side. But you don't feel part of the playing side, um, so I was I was happy to share the joy of the players that won the league, and to see that side of it was fantastic from on the inside. Yeah, but not you know, not to look back on myself and just think you know I, I didn't particularly enjoy that season because I wasn't fit. Um, but great to see you know what it means to the club and and the whole um, playing staff and coaching staff and and everyone surrounded with the club. And the supporters from the inside, I got to see inside that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really frustrating as a player because you wanted to just be part of it, and I never, never got a chance to play any minute. So it was really frustrating. 
Can you remember where you were that day in Helicopter Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I was in, I mean, all, to be honest, I, I went to, I think I went every single game that I could have when I was out injured. Um, certainly all the home games, 100% I was at every home game. The away games, I went to, I tried to get, go as much as I could. Um, but that one, everyone was there because obviously there was a chance yeah. that I could still could win it. So we were in the stand. <clears throat> um, so all the boys that were either injured or not selected were up in the stand, you know, we're in our suits up in the stand, you know, watching the game and then hearing the feedback from the other game. And then yeah. you, and you obviously got towards the end. And I think there was like five minutes left and like all the boys were like, come on, we need to go down. So we're just standing in the tunnel so that when the full-time whistle went, you know, I think I was one of the first to congratulate the manager. And <laughs> just because all the boys just ran on and it was crazy. Like the manager just sort of crossed past with me and it was amazing. Amazing times in the bus journey, in the dressing room and then the bus journey back and then back to Ibrox. It was fantastic memories. But um, tinged with a little bit of regret and sadness because obviously I didn't get to enjoy it as much on the playing side, of course. Yeah. What, what like, can you remember when that roar, that first roar went up in the, in the Rangers end, what it was like for you guys? And the stand, had you just been keeping track of it yourself? Or did you just react to what the fans had said? Yeah, because we were, where we were sitting was like surrounded by like where the media were. So we were getting updates all the time. So obviously, I think somebody in the Rangers fans, in the Rangers end, got the word even before the media. So all <laughs> the fans were going crazy. So we were like, oh, no way. Like, it's, it's, it's actually, this could actually happen, which it was a bizarre memory. Um, but then, yeah, you get confirmation. Yet, yeah, you know, if we hold on, and obviously, I think everyone remembers the game that I think it was, you know, because Hibs were in Europe, I think, if they didn't get beat by more goals than what it was. And obviously, we had the win um, and nobody was doing anything. We were just passing the ball behind, uh, across the back and they were setting off us. It was just so, such a bizarre sort of ending to a game and a season. Um, and obviously, knowing that, you know, we're just counting down the clock, waiting for it to go and and then you get confirmation again that they've, they've scored again. And you're just like, I mean, it's, it was amazing, amazing day. And it was uh, fun times on the pitch and then back in the dressing room. And then obviously getting to share the joy of the boys on the way back in the bus was, was great, great memories. I think Alex McLeish's own record is saying that that game, Marvin Andrews and Kerry Akos were passing the ball about between them at the back, thinking they were football players. And he was just screaming at them, <laughs> just get it forward, <laughs> get it away in case you yeah. did something. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. It was it was so, such a strange, strange scenario, and you don't see it often. You see it every now and again, but not very often like that. You know, keep the ball at the back for the next five ten minutes, and you're going to win the league. Um, yeah. But I can remember the boys on the pitch. Obviously, got an experienced squad, and they were just saying, "Listen, just keep the ball there." And the Hibs boys were just sitting off, and it was just so strange. <laughs> but um, no, it was great, great memories. Hey, you made your return to the team almost two years later, as you said. It was 18th of February against uh, Hibs. You came on as a substitute for Brahim Hamdani. How did that feel, getting the, the shout for Alex McLeish? Firstly, to say that you were on the bench, and then secondly, to, to be coming on the park. Yeah, no, I was delighted. I mean, I'd been back fit. I'd been training training for ages and playing loads of games. But, um, you know, there was boys in front of me. There was new signings, etc. So I wasn't really getting a sniff. And then... Just waiting for that chance to get fully back fit, uh, back on the pitch was, was amazing. I think the first start was the big thing, you know, getting back and starting a, starting a first game, first team game for the Rangers was was definitely um, that was a that was a moment, you know, more than the Hibs game. It was more starting that first game. Um, I actually think it was at Parkhead my first start. Um, so yeah, you know, getting back to starting was was definitely a huge huge moment for me and validation that I was back to sort of back back playing, you know. I think Barry Ferguson had he'd obviously returned to the club as you'd mentioned mm-hmm. new signings and stuff, and I think that he had to go for an operation to tidy up an injury or something like that. So you then basically became a regular in the side towards the end of that season. How how does that feel after being out so long that you're you're, you're back in now and that's you? You've got that jersey. Oh, I was absolutely buzzing, you know, to to get back in and felt you know I played pretty well. I can remember you know playing pretty well in that last few games and. Um, I got called up with Scotland as well for that the current cup the trip in the summer. So it was a perfect end of the season for me, you know, back playing, um, playing every week. I was glad the season finished because I was just getting going, you know, and yeah. there was only a, there was a few games left and then the season was done. So I was obviously gutted to that, but uh, just glad to be back playing, yeah. 
Is does having a, a long term injury that you had affect you mentally when you're back on the park when you're playing again? I wasn't no, not when I was back playing. When you're starting back training, for sure, you know you've got to you've got to be able to trust your body again and, and trust that you you can do what you used to do before. And um, it takes a while to get that back. Um, but I was well beyond that. You know, I played loads of games, reserve games, and, and loads of training to make sure I was right. So I was I was ready. I was full all guns blazing once I got back in that team. It was announced in March 2006 that Alex would be leaving the club at the end of the season and that Paul Le Guin uh, was taking over. How was that received in the dressing room that Alex would be leaving given the, the success that he'd had at Rangers? You know, and, and sometimes I think probably underrated as Rangers manager, to be honest. Yeah, no, I'd probably agree with you. You know, he'd, he'd done a very good job there and, you know, good amount of trophies. So, um, you know, I think in football there's always changes of coaches and managers and you sort of learn to deal with. I was guard because he signed me you know he brought me in but yeah it's football and um, especially with a club like Rangers always going to be changed and in terms of the, the appointment of Paul Gwen, I mean I think it was very well received within the, in the dressing room because he was so well renowned you know there was talk of other big clubs looking at him Real Madrid was mentioned yeah. and we obviously would manage to get him so at that time it was you know with viewed as a very big coup so we were I think it was very well received within the dressing room at that point yeah did you feel it was a fresh start for you in some respects because you'd, you'd been injured, obviously a new manager coming in, chance to, to wipe the slate clean a wee bit and try and get back into that team properly? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I think it was the timing was not bad for me as well. Um, you know, there'd been, as I say, a lot of players signed within that time when I was out injured, uh, even though it was Alex that, that signed me. So it was a fresh start, I felt, and uh, went away and worked hard over the, over the pre-season and uh, the close season and, and looked forward to coming back in, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we had the, the pre-season trip to South Africa that, that year when, when Paul Le came in. What, what are your memories of the trip and, and was it a good pre-season for yourself? I think the pre-season went all right for myself. I'd played a few games and it was a hell, yeah, it was a hell of a long trip. Um, and it was, you know, tough conditions over there with altitude and stuff, getting used to that. But I think the, the trip was okay. I was I loved going away on trips with, with football, you know, you get to see other parts of the world. So, you know, I enjoyed the... Enjoyed that side of it, um, and yeah, played obviously I was in and out of the preseason teams, and everyone sort of got a good, a good go, and I managed to score a goal over there. And yeah, I was I was looking forward to, to coming back and, and getting into it. Obviously, you had, we had the incident on the plane with with Fernando, and yeah. the way over. How, how did the squad take to that in terms of it being a new manager, obviously, but Fernando being as popular as he was amongst the supporters, amongst the players. Mm. How how was that taking it amongst the players? I think you realised you couldn't you couldn't mess about with him, and he, he set his stall out quite quickly. That that's the type of manager he was, and that was you know fair play. You know that's everyone's different, and um, I think he wanted to set his stall out and just let people realise you know he wasn't to be mucked around or messed about with, which is fair enough. But obviously, losing Fernando, uh, who was a, a massive character and a massive part of the team, was 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 tough as well because um, he was a he was an exceptional player. Yeah. Did the new signings integrate into the squad easily? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there was a lot of new, a lot of boys came over, and it was a it was a new, total no, not a total new squad, but it was there was a lot of new boys came in, and yeah, I think you know for the majority of the part, I, I felt that they were welcomed in well, and you know most of the boys are really professional, and, and um, you know you let them know what they like to play for Rangers, and, and you you try and educate them as much as you can and and are very welcoming and mostly professional. I, yeah, I think they were welcomed pretty well, yeah. We made the worst start to a season in 23 years and there was rumours obviously floating about in the media, floating about amongst the fan base on message boards, etc. that Paul Gwen was losing the dressing room early doors. Did you sense that and did you sense a split in the dressing room between the kind of French and foreign boys and the, the kind of British lads? Um, I think... With a club like Rangers, you know, like we sort of touched on earlier, it's results. You know, if you're not getting results, it's always going to be difficult. Yeah. We'd started the season well. I think we've got the, the win at the start and it's all going well. And then, you know, it just, uh, it's just results. You know, if results don't go well, you know, a club like Rangers, you have to be winning. There was definitely a different sort of mentality. I mean, I think there was a game we played at Inverness, maybe I think it was. And I think we got beat or withdrew. And it wasn't a good performance. 
the polyguin's sort of mantra and his, his way of managing was always like, no, no, it's okay, so you relax, relax, boys, it's going to be fine. Whereas we, you know, it's always like, nah, you know, like, nah, and in no way that's acceptable, you know, and it's... Send it like, Yeah, 100%, and because we know what it's like. Yeah. So it was, it was like, um, he had this different approach to it, and it was really difficult to sort of marry that two approaches to start with and to get used to. Um, but he certainly had, that was his way, and, you know, he was very clear that this this was the way he was going to manage, and that, that's fine, because people do that, it's, it's his choice, he was a manager. But it was difficult to get used to, and like I say, it was just more about the results. It's always hard when there's not results, and um, you know we were just glad not to be getting, uh, you know, pushed up that league and, and getting the wins. The manager obviously had his ways in, in training as well, which was well publicised, the non-contact stuff. How was that kind of received by by yourself first as a Scottish player, where it is, you know, hustling bus on the Scottish league at times? And how did it go down with the rest of the squad? Obviously, we'll lead on to the Phil Bardsley incident as well, where what happened happened. But how was it? Firstly, received by yourselves. It's just different, you know. I'd kind of been through it on a smaller scale with Dundee with the Benetis when they came in, in terms of getting used to a total new culture. You know, our training with the Benetis was very tactical, um, little ball work, good, lots of fitness work, and you've got to get used to it. I mean, you sink or swim, you got to deal with it. You got to deal with that difference, and if you if you don't, then you're leaving yourself open to to not being part of the squad. So, you know, I'd sort of been through something similar. It is always difficult to change. You know, we're, we enjoy working really hard, having a laugh in training, and, you know, you smash each other in training, but it's all in, like, professional way where you're trying to do the best and get the best out of each other. And it's just different, just different mentality, different culture. And it was, there was, um, there was definitely a bit of getting used to that. And, um as I say, you just got to, you just got to deal with it and accept it because if you don't, then he's shown already that it was his way or the highway basically, and so yeah. you got to deal with it. And it was, um, yeah, it was tough. It was tough to just tough to get used to. It was just very strange. I think it was in October that, as we alluded to previously, there the Phil Barnsley incident had a challenge on Thomas Buffel that Paul Graham wasn't happy with. What what are your memories of that incident, <laughs> <laughs> and how did how did it how was it received after that? Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't well, it wasn't well received by the manager, <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, I can remember the tackle, and it was, it wasn't like, um, I didn't feel like it was a over-the-top, over-the-ball challenge. It was just a really physical challenge, but within the laws of the game, I felt. Yeah. But maybe overly aggressive for training, and that's probably, you know, that's... But in saying that, I've seen much worse in training over the years. I mean, I've, I've played with players that used to try and end your career in training, you know, every game, every every session. It was just the way they were. It was just like their mentality. It's just like, you know, they just try to injure you. And, but not like nastily, but they were just solid. It was like the training was exactly the same as the game. And Bardo's challenge on Buffalo and Wee Thomas was a, a really hard, hard challenge, but fair. But the manager didn't didn't particularly like it, and he was sent away, and then that was the end of him. Basically, it was yeah, it was very it was strange. I remember as a supporter hearing that I was a lot younger, obviously, but I really liked Phil Bardsley. I thought he was a great player. I thought he was one of the ones that signed that year that actually did improve the team, you know. And 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 yeah. we, we were gutted, really. Yeah, yeah, no, same. I mean, he's. He showed over the years how good a player he is. Um, you know, a good, really good grounding in the game early doors at Man U. So he was a good player. Um, we liked playing with him, but yeah, like the manager made the decisions that um, you know you couldn't cross him, and that's that's fine. You know, that's that's some people's way of managing, and he had that way, and that was that was his way. So you got to respect that as well. But um, no, we were gutted to see him go. Of course, we got to the halfway point of the season with twenty nine games played. And we only had ten wins. That was before a trip to Inverness that you've previously mentioned on the twenty seventh of December. We lost two one. After that game, you've kind of alluded to yourself that Paul Glenn was very calm in his approach and everything's fine. We'll work it out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it was as Barry Ferguson has said himself, it was at that point where he kind of lost it, mm. and 
said that it wasn't acceptable at Rangers, which, again, as a supporter, I feel is admirable, but at the same time, as a professional football player, that's your manager, as you've alluded to. So there's right and wrongs in both parts there. What did you make of that incident in that dressing room that day, and was it made such a big thing of at the time? Um, it was. I don't feel on the day it was made that as big a thing of as what it ended up being. But as I say, I've seen so much worse in dressing rooms. You know, I didn't yeah. think it was. That, I didn't think it was that bad. I think it was like, you know, in a dressing room, you're always going to have like arguments and differences of opinion. That's fine. You know, as long as everyone's aiming for the same thing, then that's fine. I, I don't see any issue with that. Yeah. I don't think it. I didn't feel it undermined the manager. I just felt it was Baz sort of shown his leadership as the captain and what he felt was right. And that's difference, again, difference of opinion. Everyone's got, people can respect it or they can't. Um, As I say, I've seen much worse suggestions. I had no issue with it at all. Do you maybe think that, I'm not saying Paul Williams a soft touch because obviously he wasn't in terms of his training methods and the running the desert thing before he came to the club and stuff like that. Obviously not a soft touch. But do you think that approach of being calm and calm and, just relax, etc. Maybe created a soft touch that we became a soft touch slightly on the park. Possibly, possibly. You know, I'm not sure. He's he certainly wasn't a soft touch. You know, he had a, he had a calm. I would say it's more of a, a calm approach, but he definitely wasn't a soft touch. I mean, he proved it with Fernando, with yeah. Phil Bardley, with Baz. Eventually, you know, you know, there's certainly no soft touch there, but it was very sort of calm approach to his coaching. And it was just different to what we were used to. I think that's that's what it is. And yeah, we can you you, you toe the line as a player and as, as a pro. I get that. But, you know, players are allowed to express themselves as well and be frustrated and and want more from the team and from the club. And I don't think there's any issue. And you know, as I say, I've seen a lot worse. And it just it depends how people react to it. And it was yeah, it was as I say, I've seen a lot worse. So I didn't think anything of it at that time. I feel Paul Gwen maybe came to Rangers. Probably before we were ready to receive that sort of, you know, modern way of thinking, that modern approach to mm-hmm. things. I think Paul Aguin coming to Rangers now with with the stature that he had before he joined would probably maybe work out differently, considering I do think it's a wee bit more in line with European kind of way of thinking now than, than the traditional Scottish way of how we were used to. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, football's changed, for sure. You know, when I was growing up, you know, you used to be, well, I was fighting suggestion every other day, every other week, and yeah, it's not like that anymore. You know, I mean, very rarely chastise players, you know, now, especially the younger ones coming through, they just, it just doesn't happen. Um, whereas we were tested, you know, by, tested our character, you know, every every game, so it was totally different. Um, I think the... I think the expectation of the winning every week, and if you don't, it's a disaster. Yeah, was underestimated as well. Um, yeah. because that's that's what it's like. It is a club like Rangers. It is. It's a disaster if you don't win. And you know, I don't think a lot of the players had had been in that environment either, and um, and the coaching staff possibly as well. So it was. It was just. It just didn't work out in the end, unfortunately. Obviously, prior to that incident happening, on occasions when Barry Ferguson was maybe absent from the team, given he was a captain. You had taken the captaincy on a few occasions. Mm-hmm. You were obviously had been at the club for, what, three years at that point. How proud were you to actually captain the club on, on the occasions? Oh, hugely proud. Um, you know, I respected Le Guin's respect for me to be able to to captain the club. You know, I was, um, I felt I was, you know, I've always been like there or thereabouts, captain or vice captains of every club I was at nearly. So, I'd sort of been there, um, but to do it at a club at Rangers, you know, as I say, as I sort of mentioned before, the scale and just how big a club it is. I mean, it's it's very, you know, it's a proud moment you look back on for sure, and to be given that responsibility, you know, I, I relish that. Paul Gwen announced you as the permanent Rangers captain on the first of January, two thousand and seven. Did he approach you before it and tell you what was happening? Did he call you in to say that he was informing or he was stripping? Barry of the captaincy and giving it to yourself. How how did it how did it play out? Um, so I think he told Barry first before he told me. So he told Barry before me that he was stripping, he was taking the captaincy off him. And then he called, and then he obviously called me in. Um, you know, to it's different to 
captain the club on occasion when your club captain's out injured or not playing yeah. or arrested, whatever, that's fine. But to be made club captain is a totally different thing. And especially when I wasn't a regular, yeah. um, it was very strange. And it was very, you know, again, you know, I think he respected my professionalism as a pro. You know, I was always very dedicated to my craft and always there at training, very straight down the line, done all my stuff that I needed to do. But I wasn't playing. So to be made permanent club captain was a bit, a bit strange. Um, and yeah, not, not a particularly fond memory of how it all played out. I think Paul was, was on record as saying beforehand, or certainly in, in the months beforehand, that the captaincy from maybe a stance of European clubs and that isn't as important as what it's made out in Scotland, and especially a couple of Rangers. Being Rangers captain is mm-hmm. a, a huge honour. Barry obviously grew up supporting the club, captain the club for many, many years before he left and then on his return. I don't know, and I don't mean any disrespect to Paul, Barry, or yourself, but I don't know maybe if Paul's trying to show that in, in some way that you you were the, the terrific pro at the club, trained well, played well, always ready to go whenever you were selected. But as you said yourself, you weren't a regular in a team. So it's almost like guys like you are better to be captain. But it doesn't matter because because you're not playing as such, but, but you're, getting that, you're getting that captaincy due to your professionalism. Did you get that feeling for Paul Le for time to time? I think I think you've you, you mentioned it right that I don't think the captaincy is as well revered where they were coming from France or in Europe as maybe what it is at a club like Glasgow, like Glasgow Rangers. No, but he misread the situation. There's no doubt in that because yeah. it's huge. You know, as you have just as you've sort of alluded to, and as everyone knows it. You know, being captain of, of clubs of that scale was, was a massive thing, and especially for someone like Baz who came out through the through the ranks and done so much for the club and um, been a supporter of the club all his life. So, yeah, I, th- I just think he misread the situation, um, or maybe he read it perfectly and done it for a reason. Yeah, I'm just about to get to that. He resigned, <laughs> he resigned as manager on the fourth of January. Now you've said how very good in training and stuff like that. He's tactical side of the game was do you think that was a tactical move how that played out in the months before to maybe work his ticket if you like I don't know if it was you know done as as cold-blooded as that shall we say but I mean he was definitely trying to make a point there's no doubt I mean me being made captain um not being a regular um I mean, I've, I've very, really got nervous for games, but coming into that Motherwell game, um, being captain. So first of all, I've got to deal with coming into the team and try to do well. I've also got now captain of the club yeah. and all the scrutiny and all the fallout from the stuff before. Yeah. It was just chaos. Like I was just like, wow, I can't even just want to concentrate on my football, you know? So it, was, it wasn't a nice time. Um, I don't look back on that. That three four days is something fondly in my career, um, and if the fact he left, and never I never spoke to him again, so that still rankles with me, and it's that's where I just think you know what there was just no need, mm-hmm. no need. All you needed to do when you left was call me, sort of put in that situation, you know, yeah. uh, you know, sorry about that, and we move on. And I'd have been fine with that, but I never got a call from him or nothing. So he, he basically was gone. And I was left to do all the shit. And yeah. it was just like, yeah, brilliant. Cheers. Thanks for that. Um, so it was disappointing that, but hey, this was. I actually don't think the Rangers fans had, had, had an issue with yourself being named as captain because, I mean, we'd, you'd been at the club for three, or a, a good bit of injured, but you'd been at the club for three, well, near enough, four years, I think, at the time, or, or three years. But you were, anytime you pulled on a blue jersey, you could see you were committed to the cause. You, you know what I mean? You, you were. You were trying the very best that you possibly could to, to improve the team. I just think he, as you've said, he misread the situation majorly. He misread the support. He misread the league. I think it's the whole Scottish league is as an easy, an easy league to go into and and to do your stuff when you've been in league one and won it for three years and whatever. The Scottish league doesn't get the credit. I don't think that it deserves. And I think Paul Owen was massively kind of guilty of underachieving. Certainly. I, I know. Uh, anyway. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt he underachieved for you know for 
how big an appointment it was meant to be, I mean, without doubt. But yeah. you know, whether he's he never done his homework, whether he under underestimated it, whether he misread it, you know, there's loads of things, and maybe he just thought, you know, that was enough, and I did, I took his role when I shouldn't have, and I need to go, or you know, there's millions of things you'd probably have to ask him himself. But um, for us, it was a an appointment that started well, you know, with thinking it was going to be great. You know, quite quickly we descended into not being so great and then ended quite quickly over a period of days in the Christmas time. And um, and it wasn't a particularly nice ending either. As captain, how were you made aware, or when were you made aware of the, the decision that Paul had resigned? And did you have to get the squad together? Um, no, I mean, it all happened quite quickly. I can remember it was just like, I think we'd done training, left to go home, um, and then he was, next minute he was gone. And then, yeah, no, I was, actually, to be honest, I can't even remember how it all played out exactly, but, um, yeah, it all happened quite quickly. But yeah, no, I was, I w- it certainly wasn't as, cl- as captain for a few days, the, the captain to get everyone together and, you know, rally the troops because that wasn't my role at that point. I was just just appointed, so mm-hmm. it was all new to me as well. You know, Walter Smith returned as Rangers manager on the tenth of January two thousand and seven. Was there a buzz about the squad at the fact that the Walter was returning? Obviously, you some of you had worked with him as Scotland and the Scotland setup, etc. Mm. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, such a, a legendary manager for the club in the past. Um, I was very lucky to work with him with Scotland. I knew what he was all about. I love Walter. I mean, I've got so much respect for him. So, yeah, I think the majority of the squad was delighted. I mean, a lot of the boys that were just at the club and were, you know, had come from different countries, maybe didn't know him, but we were, you know, the boys that knew him were delighted he was coming back. How did he handle the whole the whole captaincy situation, the fact that he was going back to Barry? Yeah, he, was, he was, you know, uh, quite upfront about it. You know, he just told us he was... Uh, going to give it back to, to Barry and I was like yeah of course no worries no problem at all you know no issue at all and as I say I've got nothing but respect for for Walter I got on really well with him um, he I loved his his personality I loved his, his coaching really enjoyed that six month spell that I worked with him and you know every time I seen him when I was you know I, even after the left Rangers you know I got more than the time of day for him I used to speak to him all the time could you feel a kind of unity and a togetherness back amongst the squad after Walter was was appointed? Or was there still that kind of element of players that Paul had brought in, obviously, that it, it wasn't expected to go so quick? So could you feel maybe them kind of pulling, up, pulling away slightly and kind of separating themselves? Um, not to start with. You know, I think everyone, I mean, most boys are professional and get on with it. And I think there was a lift between, you know, amongst the squad just because it was... Anytime you get a new manager, there's a lift. Um, yeah. You know, because there's a reason you're getting a new manager is because maybe things haven't been going so so well. So, yeah, we were all you know positive, positive about the move, and um, and happy to to get cracking with with the new new regime. Going back to the football, finally, you'd be glad to know we finished that season strongly and we beat Celtic twice. Were you happy with your involvement, and what was your kind of take on on the rest of that season? I was in and out and, you know, again, probably not happy because I wasn't playing as much as what I'd have liked, but happy to be involved. And um, as I say, I really enjoyed working with Walter. It was a was great education as well, um, McCoyste and, and Kenny as well. And yeah, no, I, was, I, I enjoyed the season, the, the second half of the season, although, you know, again, just that feeling of not playing as much as what I'd have liked. So um, that was probably my overriding feeling. Your contract was run out at the end of that season as well and Walter actually offered you a new contract. Did you want to stay at the club or did you feel as though you'd got the kind of the vibe from Walter that he was obviously planning to he put him, his imprint on the squad in the summer and that you maybe would fall down the pecking order a wee bit and is that the reason why you decided to leave the club? Um, it was kind of torn, you know, to get an opportunity to stay at a club that Rangers obviously is not to be sort of, uh, you know, you've got to certainly give that a lot of thought. Also, the fact of working with Walter and Coyce and Kenny for longer would have been good. It was nothing to do with that. It was just I needed a fresh start. You know, I'd yeah. been there for three and a half years. It had been terrible time when injuries. I hadn't played regularly and I just needed to get away and play regular again because I'd done that 
all the years leading up to coming to the club. Yeah. And I'd done it pretty much all the years after. Yeah. It was just that spell <laughs> Rangers, I just didn't. Um, so it was just a fresh start. You know, I was ready for a fresh start. I'd been in Scotland for a long time. Um, I just felt I needed to go and try some, try and get some football elsewhere. And, um, you know, well, I was really kind to to give us the offer of staying along. But I just, I wasn't sure, you know, whether it'd be, I certainly wasn't going to be first choice. I had to fight my way into the team. So it was more just about getting a fresh start, really. You, tw- you made 28 appearances for Rangers and you left the club for Cardiff City at the end of that season. Injuries aside, because obviously they, they, they did play a massive part in it and impact you getting into that Rangers team kind of more often. Do you have any regrets over your time at Ibrox? No, no regrets about making the move in the slightest. Regrets about not being able to enjoy it. You know, I look back in my career and it's the only time that I didn't really get to to really sustain enjoyment in my football. And that's just due to injuries. Um, yeah. And plus, you know, I joined Rangers to to win trophies. You know, and yeah. I didn't get to win a with the club because of injury. That sort of uh, didn't, didn't allow me to. So, listen, there's definitely regrets about how, how the move turned out, of course, because it wasn't as successful move from my point of view and, and I'm sure from the club's point of view it just didn't work out and that's I do regret that of course um, but you know if I would, somebody asked me to do it again then 100% I would do it again You were only play for Cardiff as we alluded to how did you enjoy your time doing in English football? Loved it absolutely loved it it was you know that first season I made 55 appearances so you know you think of three and a half years at Rangers you know I know and that was that was the validation. That's what I needed. I needed to just get away. I started. I started. I played fifty full games, and started another, and came off the bench in five. And obviously, we got to the FA Cup final, so it couldn't have went better, you know, to yeah. get away and, and get that uh, opportunity to play every week. And it was new. It was fresh. It was new stadiums. It was new clubs I was playing against. It was a new environment, um, a new competition, um, and it was it was great. It was great. I, what a, you know, you look back and. Silly little things like playing at three o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah, you know you don't really do that. It ranges yeah. exactly because of the TV. Um, but yeah, that's you know a solid uh, diary. So no, it was uh, it was great. It was it turned out really well, and it was it sort of validated the, the fact of wanting to move um, of how well it went. We miss that three o'clock on a Saturday every week as well as supporters. Yeah. It's just ridiculous at times. You need me to go to Aberdeen at half twelve. That's <laughs> mad. Yeah, no, it's crazy, and it's, it's something you, you realise even as a player. You like when you get back to that routine of doing it. It's just like, oh, it's so good. I mean, that's when football's meant to be played. It's yeah. three o'clock on a Saturday, isn't it? So, um, you know, unfortunately, it's, with being such a big club, and obviously the, the live games are always always dictate when that when that kickoffs are. You then moved to Aberdeen. Well, you played for Dundee twice again, and and also played for Aberdeen, who you were hometown club. Did you enjoy your spell coming back to Scotland? Then, obviously, playing. For Dundee, who you knew so well, and Aberdeen, given it was a fact that's that's where you grew up. Yeah, no, it was it was great, great coming back to Dundee. I was, you know, Barry Smith was now the manager, who was my teammate. Um, I'd been four years in Cardiff. Um, there was a cu- couple of opportunities to stay down south, but we were young twins at that point, so you know, I was really keen to sort of get closer to my own family because um, I'd left left home when I was sixteen and hadn't been home really, so. To get the chance to come back up to Scotland and, and be closer to my mum and dad and my sister and my family and, and let them enjoy the time with the twins and my wife before we emigrated to Australia because that was always the plan. Um, yeah. It just sort of worked out perfect. And to get the chance to go play for Aberdeen, obviously I was I grew up in Aberdeen and um, to get the chance to play for my hometown club was great and, and be home and my mum and dad being 10 minutes from the ground and come and watch the games was was. It was enjoyable. It was, it was something uh, I look back on. You know, it was, it was good times. I believe we had a goal against Celtic against for well, for Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah, the first goal for Aberdeen. <laughs> massive, massive deflection, but you know, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was definitely claiming it. It was on. It was on the way. So uh, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed. I was. I enjoyed playing in the big games. I always felt I'd done pretty well in the big games and the pressure games. That's when I, I, I felt I'd done well. So um, I loved that game. It was good. How did the move to Sydney come about then, Gavin? Yes, my wife's my wife's Aussie, so I, I met my wife in two thousand and one, two thousand two, when I was at Dundee, and her brother-in-law played with me at Dundee, Mark Robertson, and she was over visiting, um, and we just hit it off. And 
so I'd been I'd been coming I'd been coming to Australia since two thousand and two, um, so it was always a plan that you know when I finished playing professionally that we would emigrate to Australia. So we bought a house out here uh, a few years ago, and with the with the plan of emigrating once my career finished, and you know I finished in Dundee in two thousand and fourteen in May, and we we emigrated in uh, September. So it was always a plan. Yeah, you became a head coach out there and. January 2018. How did you find that transition? Is it from playing to then being at the sideline? Yeah, no, it was good. I loved it. You know, I was I was assistant player coach, and then I was player head coach, and then I stopped playing when I was I was 40 by the time I stopped playing because it was semi pro and could still play at this level um, and enjoy it. Um, it's only 22 games, so you know it was easy enough to do so. Uh, yeah, I got to got to forty nearly when I when I finished, and then became just head just head coach or just coaching on the sideline. So I've loved it. It's a great experience. You know, you're dealing with budgets for players. You know, keeping players happy, squads of players, formations, dealing with you know signing and, and letting go of players. So it's been really good experience, and um, hopefully stands me in good stead for if there is ever an opportunity, and whether there is or there isn't, I'm not sure, but. Um, I think I'll always stay involved in the coaching side at some level because uh, I do enjoy it. What are you up to now, Gavin? Are you enjoying the life in Oz, obviously? Yeah, I really enjoy it. I've you know, been here it's nearly six years already, which is crazy to think about. But when I came here, I, I got into... Because I knew I, I wouldn't probably go into full-time football, um, not really knowing anyone or the system here. Um, you know, If I'd stayed in Scotland or the UK, I reckon I'd definitely give that a bash. I sort of went the other way when I knew I could, could stay involved in semi-pro football and, and still get that coaching. I still get the buzz of football that side, but so I had to change career and I uh, got into technology recruitment to start with. And then I now I run a small uh, management consulting firm in technology, which I love. I really enjoy it. And there's loads of trans, just, uh, transferable skills between football and recruitment and, and working in business, um, which I really enjoy. I enjoy learning new stuff all the time. So, I've enjoyed that side of it. It's not football full time, but I do get that buzz, you know, playing part time, um, playing, sorry, coaching part time and, and still being involved in, in a different career. So, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Obviously, you touched on that a wee bit, but do you have ambitions to, to be a manager of Scotland or a head coach in Scotland? Listen, if the opportunity came out, um, came up, then I'd have to seriously consider it because it is something I feel I could do. Um, I feel I could do a well, you know, you've got to have confidence in your own ability to do it. I feel it's good now that I've had the experience to to work with squads and get that experience in a smaller scale. Um, and I certainly love to test myself full time, but it's difficult. You know, so many good managers out there, and there's not many opportunities. So we'll see, we'll see. And you know, I don't, I don't hold hold out too much hope, but I certainly love to be involved at some point. What do you make of the job before before we finish up? What do you make of the job carried out with Stephen Gerrard as the new Rangers manager? Yeah, I mean, when he first came in, I mean, it was a fantastic appointment in terms of galvanising the, the supporters and, and get everyone sort of in the same direction. And he's he's done he's done very well, and he's done very well in parts. But you know, and even this season, it was going it was going so well up until January, and really it looked like to to really push on and challenge that league. And then since the turn of the year, it just sort of fell away. So. Yeah, there's there's obviously room for improvement, but in terms of what he's done, I think he's done a, a pretty pretty good job for being just in the just in the job, just in the role at a club of that size. You know, he's done a, he's done a pretty good job. Thanks very much, Gavin, for your time uh, today, and also thanks very much for your efforts in a blue jersey. We really really appreciate it. No, nah, no no problem at all. And, um, it wasn't as enjoyable as what it could have been, but um, you know I've. I certainly look back on it fondly in a club um, I'm very proud to say I've played for. Um, and thanks for having me on. Thanks, Kat.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.